Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show. My name is Sean Tierney and this is our daily roundup of automation news and what's new and happening in industrial automation. And uh, before we get started, the first thing I'd like to do is say a big thanks to our sponsor, theautomationschool.com. If you know anybody who needs PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please ask them to visit theautomationschool.com. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into the news. And uh, first up, we have a announcement from Wago about their a compact controller. So this is like their other controllers, right? And it programs the same, but this one has some IO built in, as you can see there, and it has some new features now. So let's go over to the press release here and take a look at it. Um, it looks like they've made it. Now, this, is, this uh, product has had 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 Modbus TCP, Ethan IP, and Ethercat built in, okay? So those were all built in, but now it includes BACnet, OPC UA, and DNP3. It also uses CodeSys 3.5. We saw that announcement earlier in the year that they were gonna allow a, a CodeSys, uh, just a plain Jane CodeSys developer, and you don't have to use eCockpit. Um, and uh, it just has a lot of other great features and functions, and uh, just looks like a real interesting product. Love to get my hands on one and try it out. We, I was looking at the stats. Uh, I reached out to Wago again to try to get them on the product and technology show yesterday. And I was looking at the stats of that first video I did and a ton of you guys watched it. I think it was over 40 or 50,000 of you guys who actually watched that episode, my first time programming the Wago. So um, really like to get them on the show. But again, you know, if, they, if they're not interested, some people are shy, they don't want to come on a show. So it, it is what it is, right? So from there, we go over to a release speaking of CodeSys. I thought this was very interesting. They're coming out with a new license model for their soft PLCs and uh, virtual controllers. And um, they have a nice chart. The link on that press release goes to a nice chart. And you can see here, uh, they talk about the different levels and, and you know different pricing models and whatnot. And I didn't actually go in the store and look at the prices of these, but I thought this page did a great job of explaining what the options are, right? So if you're interested in CodeSys or using CodeSys, um, you may want to check that out. Now, of course, I wanted to get a copy of CodeSys to run on my Raspberry Pi, and I just haven't had time to do it, but I would love to try that out. And uh, one of these um, facts here talks about that um, that the the there's a Raspberry Pi license out there that will not be changing, so it's like an intro license, very inexpensive. But in any case, I don't I'm not seeing that right away. But um, yeah, very interesting. So if you're a CodeSys user and you're using their soft PLCs, you may want to check that out. From there, we go over to an article at automation.com. This is the ISA's website, and I thought this was very interesting because I also reached out to Mitsubishi to get them on. They got a bunch of new stuff. And I love to get them on. They haven't been on since our 100th episode. We had Jeff Brown on to give his thoughts, his personal thoughts. We haven't actually looked at one of their products in a very long time. I think the last one was the VFDs. But in any case, um, they, they're announcing here that they're going to have this uh, collaborative robot set up at an upcoming trade show. This will be at PAC Expo 2023. And uh, what I thought was interesting about this, it's, a, it's an interesting article about what they're going to be showing. But somewhere in here, they say that they're going to have real-time robotics there. They're going to be running their software that control the three robots working in the same space. And I thought that was interesting because um, we have today's podcast actually will be an interview I did with one of the uh, primaries over at Real-Time Robotics. Now, if you don't remember, we covered Real-Time Robotics on the morning show, actually several months ago, 
towards the beginning of the year, and we were talking about how they have a, a solution that allows robots to work in close proximity without colliding. Today, a lot of times, if one robot's in the work zone, the other robots can't enter. They just have to stop, right? And so what real-time robotics does is this really cool technology that allows uh, the products to continue to work in the same zone. So if that's something of interest to you, check out this afternoon's podcast. Usually get it up around 3.30. So with that, let's go over to our next news story here. And, uh, you know, Dalsa, they make some great cameras. And I know a lot of people who really like their products. I've been following them for a while. Haven't had any new product news from them related to like industrial automation applications. But uh, until I saw this article, and this talks about how they're attending the Automation Expo 2023. And uh, this is, I believe, in Mumbai. But in any case, this really does a good job talking about their latest and greatest products. And I did make a note to reach out to them. Yesterday, I reached out to like 30 or more companies to get them on the show. People who have been on the show, I hadn't been on in a while, and people who... Um, who uh, we started talking about getting them on the show and, and kind of things fell away. So in any case, I did add Dalsa to the list of people I'd like to get on the show, but you know, you can see their current line, you got Sherlock 8 here, and uh, you can see Z-Track, and uh, just some of their great products. I know a lot of people who have uh, installed their products, very happy with them, and uh, really the price point is pretty good too. Uh, very, very competitive. So somebody might want to check out if you're interested in any of these applications. Okay, from there, we're going to go over to an article at ISA's website about giving modern human-machine interfaces their due. I thought this was kind of funny. It's a little tongue-in-cheek, and um, I really enjoyed it. And what it actually turns out to be, it's an article from Wago promoting their controllers and CodeSys, and the fact that with CodeSys, your PLC is also an HMI, which I thought is very, very cool. Now, there are other companies out there who have been doing this for a a very long time, like I think Horner Automation, Unitronics, and many, many others have combo HMI PLCs. Of course, we took a look at the IFM CodeSys HMI controller right up there in a previous episode. But um, in any case, this was a really good article. I thought it was done very well, and uh, it really gives you an insight into their thought process of combining the PLC and HMI. And from there, our next article is one from A3, the Association for Advancing automation somebody else i'd like to get on the show we've had isa on a few times love to have them back too but in any case this talks about how ati is now working and compatible with fanuc right and so this article goes through how um their tooling right end of arm tooling now is compatible with fanuc and fanuc's force control software so very important right so if you needed that force control option then uh, you need the tooling to be compatible with it, right? That, that would be my assumption. So in any case, I thought it was an interesting article, especially if you're, you're doing some robotics integrations, especially if you're using Fanuc and you're looking at end of arm tooling, this could be uh, of interest to you. From there, we go over to an article, which I just thought was great from the good folks over at Banner. And, uh, you know, the, the top of it talks about Banner makes IoT easy and accessible. Do not let that uh, stop you from reading this article because it really does a great job of talking about IIoT and uh, data-driven, you can see a data-driven industrial intelligence. And it's a really deep article too. I was impressed on how deep it goes. And so for anybody looking for a good read, whether you're stuck on a plane or you know stuck in a waiting room or a meeting room, um, I did not download the guide and look at it, but I thought this article was very beefy, very detailed, and uh, really enjoyed it. Did not check out, I think this is a video, I did not check that out. 
But in any case, it's, it's a very beefy article, and I can highly recommend it. Not just for people who are new. I thought for a more, more experienced folks, you might enjoy this as well. I know I did. So from there, we go over to another article from the ISA. This is Prioritizing Automation Products, a Lean Projects a lean robotics approach. And this is uh, actually was a promotional uh, article from uh, Robotic, um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. They talk about like, for instance, you know, just enough automation, right? Lean robotic mythology. I really like that because some companies, they just, they put in tons of robots without taking a look at, does it make financial sense to do it or not, right? And, um, but they're talking about putting in, you know, what you need, and putting in the automation you need to uh, improve your production, improve your process, and improve your profits. So I thought it was an excellent article, something I wanted to share with you guys this morning. And from there, we go over to Aviva. Now, uh, again, another article, even though they talk about their own products like Pi and whatnot, um, I thought it was a very good article talking about next-level assessment uh, management uh, for performance and it really kind of goes into the case for having a historian and an analytics package, right? And it talks about some cases in the real world and how, especially for people who need lots of data, like oil and gas, right? Or if you're in the pharmaceutical, um, you know, some of the things that, uh, that are key points that you need to look out for. And I thought they did a very good job in that. And then that's followed up with another article from Aviva. And this article talks about... Um, the new experience, uh, the new look experience of uh, the Aviva Insight. And I think the main takeaway for me, for me here was that not all companies, when they change the GUI or change the, the, the look and feel of the software, do they give you an option to flip back to the old version? I know sometimes in Microsoft products, I really just want to flip back to the old old view, like in, in uh, some of the, um, like in Outlook, for instance. But in any case, they do. They're given the new look. It's totally optional. You can just choose it out of the software. And I really like that. I like how CCW does that too, where you can flip between the Logix experience and the original experience. Um, it, it's nice because, you know, if you've been using the original, you probably want to just stay in that. The Logix changes a lot of the instructions and, and names of stuff. So in any case, I thought that was very interesting. Kudos to Aviva for, um, for giving users the option there. From there, we go over to Locus Robotics. I think I may have called them Lotus Robotics in the past, but Locus Robotics, very different. <laughs> and this talks about warehousing and how, um, you know, a lot of times you'll see newer warehouse where they, uh, they, ha they go up, right? So instead of having a person uh, use, uh, do all the picking, they can have robotics or AGVs or AMRs. Um, do the picking or in some cases I know one facility I worked in they just have these really uh, fancy uh, uh, forklifts where they can go up extremely high to access you know very tall shelves and so this talks about you know boosting warehouse throughput with the mezzanines and pick towers and I thought it was an interesting article if any of you are doing some warehouse automation you'll probably want to check this out so in any case, we now we come over to an article from Rockwell Automation, and I thought the article was good, but I thought some of the choice of words, they were using words that we would typically avoid. So the title of the article is Three Ways to Reduce Risk with Visualization Software, which, you know, I'm a big fan of HMIs and SCADA. has been using them since 1990. 
But in any case, um, some of the terminology, I, I, they're just terms I would always stay away from. And so I wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, is it me? Am I crazy? Is this terminology good? Or would are you also like, are these caution words for you? So let me tell you some of the things I mean. So um, if we talk here about reducing technical risk, right? Under that one, they talk about uh, making sure you have a visualization platform that allows users to generate proprietary code. Now, I, I don't like proprietary, that word, right? I would prefer a platform that has a scripting language that is uh, common, identical, or nearly identical to a standard, like a JavaScript or a C Sharp or something like that, right? So that was one of the big features of all the packages that you added VBA in the 90s, right? The late 90s, uh, RSVU32 being one of them, is that it was a standard language. It wasn't a proprietary language you had to relearn, and you know, that was different than all the other standard languages out there. So that was the first one I thought, is this, do you, I don't want proprietary code. I mean, they're not saying a proprietary language, they're saying proprietary code, but automatically I'm like thinking, proprietary language, right? So it's a buzzword for me. It's a warning word for me, right? Now, I think I would have probably said in this instance, uh, custom code or application specific code, right? Code that you can write that is specific for your application because no product's going to have every feature you need, right? So you need sometimes to write application specific code. So let me know what you think. Do you agree with me or disagree with me on that? Another one um, is they, they use it again here. Development and deployment time are reduced when teams work with proprietary and well-tested pieces of code. Again, I would probably have said code focused on their, uh, strictly for their application or designed strictly for their application or use case, right? So instead of using a generic code that, that works with in any industry, using code written for, I don't know, let's say a packaging machine or let's say a bottling machine is better because it's designed specifically for that application. But again, the word proprietary just throws me off, right? I just, um, I just, um, you know, I think I'm gonna move my headshot back over to the right. I know Phil's saying you can't see my face, not that there's anything really to see, but it just covers up all the logos on the, matter of fact, I can probably do that real time, right? So let's see how bad I, how bad I mess up here. Um, oh, all right, that could, but it's like, it's covering up, um, it just covers up the logos of the websites and, and typically, I assume I have all the space to scroll up and down. In any case, that's off topic. Hey, let me know. Is it better on the left or right? Let me know. Um, from there, um, they go over to reducing commercial risk, right? Having a standardized set of developed, tested, and trusted content. Well, if if is it proprietary or is it standard? I'm, so you can see, maybe some of you understand where I'm coming from from this, but I, I, I thought it was well written. It's very easy to understand. I just think uh, it was funny that they said that. And the last thing I'll say here is um, consider users should contemplate the flexibility to run the software agnostically on any computing device. Now, last time I checked, Rockwell doesn't have their mainline products only run on Windows. Why would they mention Linux here, right? Unless they're going to start releasing HMI and uh, SCADA packages on Linux. Does Factory Talk Optics run on Linux? I don't know. We're trying to get them on the show to tell us about it. But um, again, I would stay away from ever mentioning Linux if I didn't have any Linux software. Like my mainline products like Studio 5000, Factory Talk View Studio didn't run on Linux. So again, I thought it was a very well-written article, easy to understand. They make great points, but I just, I just, uh, those some of those uh, caution words came out to me and I, I thought I'd bring it up and see what you guys thought. From there, we go over to... 
uh, the videos today. And today for videos, actually I think what we're supposed to have here is our product spotlight. So let me see if I can do some editing on the fly here. And let's just bring the automation school over here. And let's do this. And the product we're gonna to spotlight today is my PanelView Plus Level 1 Plus course. This course is, uh, you know, if you've never used a PanelView Plus, you need to get up to speed. I, in this course, I try to teach you everything you need to know to get up to speed. I also answer a lot of questions. I've added uh, lessons based on the questions and art, uh, text lessons, as well as video lessons based on the questions that have come in. And uh, I like doing that. And I also like your questions because I am going to refilm this. Um, the plan is to refilm it first quarter next year. Right now, I'm working on all the PLC stuff. But uh, in any case, if you know anybody who needs PanelView Plus training, they can grab this course. They get the next course, the 2024 course for free. And they, I support it every day. So in any case, that's our product spotlight. Now from there, we'll go over to the video section. And uh, here we've got another great video in the series from Opto22. This one's on Groove Manage Data Services. So if you need to learn more about that, you'll see this video here. And from there, I found this excellent article, uh, video actually at WWT, but it's about Panduit, uh, you know, network enclosures and uh, how they can do the intelligent power monitoring inside the enclosure. And I just thought it was interesting. Most of you probably don't have to have a network closet where you need to manage power. But if you did, check out this video. I thought they did a great job on it, explaining the different options available and whatnot. All right, let's stop that and go on to user manuals. Now, as far as user's manuals, um, I typically don't share installation instructions, but this is for the optics panel. That's a brand new product from Rockwell, a brand new HMI. Um, and I thought it was really interesting uh, just getting my first look at this product. Again, we want to get them on the show. We've had a couple of conversations about having them on. We did have the Factor Talk View SC folks on, so if you need to get updated on that, check that out. But uh, here I'm looking at it, and you know, you know, one of the digs I had with Rockwell compared to the other vendors out there is all they had was one Ethernet port on the PanelView uh, Plus and the, and the PanelView 5000. I think you can now get models with two Ethernet ports. But that was it, right? That's all you had, right? And so this model, just looking here, it looks like it has, and reading, reading what they said about number 12 there on the screen, RS-232, RS-422, RS-485. Now that would be great if they, had it, if they have support for all of those protocols, all those legacy protocols, like the competition does, right? So if they can do DF1, Modbus, DH-485, wow, that would be awesome, right? So um, did I leave any out? So um, in any case, that would be great if they do support that with legacy protocols, because that's one of the things against them with the PanelView Plus 7 is no support in the PanelView 5000, no support for legacy protocols. If you look at all the new guys behind me, all the new uh, uh, Siemens and IFM and Mitsubishi and other, other HMIs from other vendors, they support legacy protocols in their latest products. So very interesting there, and hopefully that will uh, pan out to be uh, what they do support. So here you can see 232, 422, 45, and it's isolated already. So you don't need an AIC. Very cool. So with that, let's go over to uh, some more manuals. We have a couple from Siemens. We have, uh, on, they're both on the Scitran, Scitrans, let me say that right, Scitrans, level 100 of vibrating switches. This one is the IO-Link model, and this one is the transistor PNP model. And with that, if you think I missed any news today, or if you just want to give me some feedback about anything we talked about, click on the news tip link and send it on in. 
And uh, if you are submitting news, you can choose whether or not you want to be mentioned as the source. So um, I know some people like to remain anonymous. From there, um, just a thanks to theautomationschool.com for sponsoring this morning's show. I don't know if we lived up to our regular standard, but hey, we, the show went off. We, we actually finished it, so that's good. So if you know anybody who needs PLC, HMI, or skater training, please send them over to our sponsor, theautomationschool.com. And from there, I just want to uh, remind you, you can join our community for just one cup of coffee a month. That's $2 a month. Um, we're starting to do live streams, so I did one yesterday. It was the first one. I rambled a little bit, but I think it came out pretty good. It got a little choppy at some times. I'm new to streaming on Locals, but this will be viewable to anybody who is a, uh, who is a member there. Now, anybody can join for free, but if you actually want to be a member and uh, get access to the behind-the-scenes live streams, um, you can uh, check this. And even though I'm saying it's a live stream, it's, it's available after the live stream is done. So you don't have to be there when I do the live stream. I do have a poll down here too, um, somewhere where I'm asking, you know, what times are good to do live streams right here. So if you want to vote in that, you can as well. So that's automation.locals.com. And from there, we go over to the automationblog.com. Now all 1500 articles and videos, it's probably over 1500 by now, all 1500 articles and videos or more, are completely free. But if you want to support our work, you can grab one of our offline collections. We have eBooks on Control Logics, Compact Logics, and video collections on S7 PLCs, Control Logics, Compact Logics, Micro Logics, Micro 100, and so on. So you'll find that all at theautomationblog.com forward slash T-A-B tab. Okay, and if you don't have enough coffee cups and t-shirts yet, we have them with groovy logos and sayings and uh, all kinds of fun stuff like you know, the automation guy and, you know, the old keypads from the old T3 and T4 terminals, you know, XIC, XIO, OTE, and so on. So check those out over at theautomationblog.com forward slash shop. And with that, don't forget that every single link for all 84 or 85 episodes um, we've done this year is at automate.news. No www.no.com, just automate.news. And you'll see a link to every single article and video and event. And I actually been sorting this quite often by events because sometimes um, the uh, the people who are holding webinars they change the name of the webinar. It tricks me. It's like, wait a minute. I thought they were like for like MDT. I thought is this MDT? Uh, I thought uh, they already had one for the August twenty fourth, but the name slightly changed. So um, which makes sense if you come up with a better name. Of course, you're going to change it. But in any case, so I've been sorting by these, and you can see I always start it with the date on the events. Um, can't put them in order because I don't find them in order, but uh, they're, the, the date is listed first so you know uh, what day it is. And you can scroll through the list and see every event we've ever promoted. And uh, with that, let me go back to all here. Um, after I edit the show and upload it to all the destinations, including the podcast destinations, hi everybody if you're listening. Just want to thank you for listening to the show. Um, I will go up here and put up all the links. Now, I do want to share a show note with you. Let's see if I have anything else here. No. So let me go back to this screen. Um, so right now, as it's scheduled, I have jury duty in the morning. Now, I'm praying they cancel it. You know, you can call in after 6 and they'll tell you if they really need you. But in, it's more than likely I will have jury, jury duty tomorrow. So no show tomorrow. Then Friday, I fly out with my wife. She's taking me to go visit family. Um, out of town so we fly out friday morning and i don't get back until i believe tuesday night so very likely the next time you see me will be wednesday or thursday of next week so with that in mind i do want to wish you all a very happy safe and healthy day healthy weekend 
and week. And um, if I'm able to live stream tomorrow, I will. If not, if I'm able to live stream on Wednesday, I will. If not, I'll see you Thursday of next week. But I just hope everything goes well for you this week and this weekend and you're happy and healthy. And um, I just want to wish the best to all of you. And until next time, my friends, peace.